0: This episode is brought to you by the RVA Podcast Network. Find more information at rvapodcast.org. It's a new year, so you know what that means. That means a new season. It's season four. Intro a little revamped. Microphone a little revamped. Branding a little revamped. We are now officially the past BT. Uh, So welcome all Spotify. Buzzsprout. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast platforms. Here you're gonna get a flavor of sports, music, tech, video games. Once in a while we'll get an ass of the week and a new part that's gonna be coming in. We didn't it's not mentioned on the uh, season three, but we do what's called Pass the Message. So definitely you want to tune in and get some good content on the past with your host BT. shaking y'all episode 283 of the past is here. I'm your host BT getting ready to get this ball rolling and uh, make things work. Got a very packed show. Um, Give me one a second. Got a pretty packed show today. I'm going to try to talk about as much as I can. Uh, There's a lot that has gone on and is going on actively. Uh, I'm not sure how this is going to go if I'm going to make this one full episode or if it's going to be a split episode, uh, how I'm going to run it, but all I can do is just let this one fly. So um, as I always start off, I'm kind of going to relax a little bit in the intro and then we're going to definitely try to get through as many of the topics as well as the the heavier topics that I really want to talk about. Uh, So today's episode number, of course, is 283. And as I always start off, I like to give you all the the uh, angel number. Uh, let's see. Hang on a sec. Cause I got folks who are trying to tune in. So just give me one quick moment. Uh, let's see. All right. Um, so, yeah, episode 283. Let's, let me do this. This might be a better way to do it. My bad. Of course, I not going to do what I need, but it's all right. Um showing what's going on. Um, so we're gonna start with the angel number for 283. Uh, angel number two eighty three is a symbol of excitement. This is a message from the guardian angel advising you to be more enthusiastic about life. Your workmates do not ask you to accompany them to after office activities because you are too boring and do not believe in life after work. The angel numbers are encouraging you to be more enthusiastic about life by seeing life in the eyes of those around you. The angels want you to embrace enthusiasm for the next few days and see how your life will begin to feel lighter. Angel number 283 is assuring you that the angels will always be there to protect and guide you in all that you do. Do not be afraid to hold. Do not be afraid and do not hold back on living life. Communication is fondly associated with angel number, with the angel number 283, meaning this is a signed form. This is, this is signed from the angels, Assigned from the angels for you to begin communicating in your relationship. Stop being upset over what your, what your partner does and does not communicate with them. The angels are advising you to begin speaking out more on the matters that are not giving you happiness. The angels are telling you to interact more, to encourage trust. When when communication is present, so is trust and faith in another person. Creativity is a symbol of angel number two, number eight, and number three. Your boss has been encouraging you to pursue a different way of presenting your projects. Angel number 283 is a sign for you to become more creative, not only in your work, but even in your thinking. Angel number 283 symbolism is telling you to exercise the creative um, part of your mind for better results. The, The angels are advising you to believe in yourself and be sure that everything you practice will work out well in the end. Embrace creativity moving forward in all angles of your life. Expansion and growth are symbols of angel number 283. The angels are... Sending you a message, advising you to embrace the development and growth that is currently taking place in your life. You do not do well with change, but we must accept the change. That change is inevitable. Expansion and advancement are inevitable if performance is at its best. Angel number 283 is a sign that you need to be flexible and willing to embrace change as and when it happens. All kind of self-explanatory and mainly speaking on what it's about. Which is, and it's one of my biggest agreements, uh, which is always to do your best. So I've, you know, I've talked about this from time to time on the show. It's um, a book that I've always, I try to recommend, which is called The Four Agreements. And one of those agreements, of course, is to always do your best. And that's no exception for me today. Uh, hey, Carlette, welcome to the live. I know I was trying to get, we were trying to get some stuff cleared up with the uh, link. So hopefully you can get the link. And uh, if you want to share it with Quan, that'll work out um, pretty helpful. Uh, so, yeah, this is a good uh, angel number. It's really for me pressing how important it is to be creative, how good it is to be all about your craft, how, how beneficial it is to put your best effort forward. And that's mainly what I'm making in my goals to do with the show and with this platform. Uh, a lot has happened. I'm going to some things maybe may get a little bit of odd attention, but I'm going to talk about them because they did happen. So I don't want to ignore them. Uh, as they all, as it all occurred. Um, Peyton, well, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson were part of an event that was called The Match. And to kind of give a, a paraphrase form of it, it was a golfing event that happened in, uh, that hap- this is the second year of this event happening. Uh, it was done to, for a charity uh, based event. Uh, they were able to get an average of 5.8 million viewers for the match uh, which was a charity event uh the it was spanned across four the four major channels which are part of Turner Sports uh TBS TNT True TV and uh Headline News the pairing of Woods and Manning beat Brady and Mickelson it came down to the final hole at the medalist at the medalist golf club in Hope Sound Florida Woods and Manning were ahead by one entering into hole 18 uh, they announced that the peak viewership was at $6.3 million. Hey, May, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Um, there were, it was at a peak viewership of $6.3 million. Uh, the event raised $20 million for the coronavirus relief. Uh, the match was the most watched golf telecast in the history of cable television. Um, the Boston Globe, Chad Finn reported that it, beat, that it beat out the average viewers of ESPN's The Last Dance, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, which as many of you may or may not be aware, is about Michael Jordan and his career. Uh, there was one highlight in the event where despite Brady struggling on the front nine, he made what was considered the shot of the day. Uh, the Buccaneers quarterback hit a shot from the fairway on par five, on the par five seventh. Uh, it happened right after Charles Barkley, a member of the broadcast team, was trash talking Brady for his poor play. And if any of you know or may not notice, uh, Charles Barkley has been known for being pretty, I won't say trash, but pretty mediocre at golf. So him giving, uh, Tom Brady a hard time was very coincident, coincidental. Uh, they go over Tom Brady signing with the Buccaneers and things of that sort. Uh, so this was a big event. It was, it definitely got the attention it deserved. And it was a, from what I gathered, it had a pretty solid turnout. Uh, one story that kind of spanned from this, from this event happening was that, um, we got to see a retired quarterback come out of Twitter retirement and that was Eli Manning who if you are aren't aware is the brother of Tom of uh, not of Tom of Peyton Manning. I'm gonna get it together y'all. Uh, he was joined he joined Twitter and he did pay homage to the movie uh, Hoosiers back on Saturday and this was May the 23rd. Uh, they gave him like a proper welcome. Well, what he did was basically Eli showed a video from him, a scene from the from the basketball movie Hoosiers, and then Tom Brady responded, uh, saying, "You know, in typical fashion, you never showed up until the fourth quarter, anyway." So it was a good little, you know, joke jokingly reference, and then it's just more coincidental since the two interactions that they both had with each other was during. Uh there's there two Super Bowl appearances, which were the actual two Super Bowls that Eli won before um, before his career went uh, the way it did. So that's that's kind of like a not really a big big story, but it was something that happened. So I did want to at least give that uh, that story its attention. Um, we're we're gonna. Briefly hit basketball, but it's going to be for the sake of and, th- and there are some stories that I'm going to get into because I want to talk about the last dance, which if any of you were, or were not aware uh that season or that series has officially ended. And I'm going to give a lot of thoughts as well as try to not take my moderating out of my sports uh, element. Uh, but the story once st- the most recent story broke that uh, Patrick Ewing, who um who is known as the Georgetown head coach, uh, has been tested, has tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, he is tested, coach Georgetown coach Patrick Ewan tested for, tested positive for the coronavirus. And they announced this back on Friday, May 22nd. I'm sorry. If I look at the calendar, it might help. May 22nd. Um, this the Hall of Famer is under care and isolated at a local hospital. I want to share that I have tested positive for COVID-19. The virus is serious and should not be taken lightly. Ewing uh, said in a statement, I want to encourage everyone to stay safe and take care of yourselves and your loved ones now more than ever. I want to thank the healthcare workers and everyone on the front lines. I'll be fine and we will all get through this. I'm saying this as one myself, and I'm also sharing this for those who are um who are in this position? If you are on the front line, do not feel your work is in vain. That's the, the nicest way to put that. Um, and I've gotten a couple messages on Instagram. I'm not gonna really put those into uh, into the combo. One of them was stating that some someone they personally know was tested um, positive for this disease. Uh, The school said Ewing is the only member of the Georgetown men's basketball program to have tested positive for the virus amid the ongoing ongoing pandemic. Following his famed NBA career, Ewing took over as head coach of Georgetown back in 2017 after spending 15 years Mm -hmm. as an assistant coach for the, for the, for four NBA franchises, arguably the best player in Georgetown history uh, Ewing led the Hoyas to their only national championship in 1984 and won the Naismith college player of the year award in 85. Uh, and these are just mainly given his personal accolades, which, you know, we, anyone who knows Ewing knows he was a good basketball player. The Knicks are the Knicks. Um, so that's kind of like the the cleanest and simplest way to put it. But um, in, in hindsight, he, you know, I don't think the, I think this, the, and this is just my my immediate statement about this. The pandemic is is drawing a bigger wave than I think people expected it, it to, as well as the fact that it's it's definitely not looked at. Um, it's not. It's it's beginning to not be treated as lightly as it was when the news first broke about this, um, happening. At least that's how I'm looking at it. Um. I guess I should do basketball. Give a little bit more basketball next, since, since we got some soccer stories. But I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself. There are a few pieces of information that have that have broken. Well, some story. Some stories came came arise regarding the show The Last Dance. And one name that stood out that was talked about during the show was Horace Grant. Horace Grant, to say what I was saying, was part of the big three in Chicago when they won their first three championships. If any of you do or do not know the story, he played for Chicago for the in that time period. And then he went to Orlando, which coincidentally knocked Chicago out when Jordan first came back after his first retirement. Um Horace Grant feels that in the story in the story, the last dance that Jordan was considered as a snitch. This is a, this is like a five-year-old scuffle back and forth type of type of scenario. And the only reason I say that is because I get Horace Grant's point of view, but if you really go back and if you look at the last dance with a, with a unbiased eye, you can pretty much tell like a lot of what's being talked about or a lot of what's being said. Is predominantly and primarily from uh, Jordan's point of view, which is expected because it's mainly his documentary. Like you see everyone else in the sh- you know in the story or in the show, but it's primarily his his take on what happened. Um, A sensibly cynical man. What's going on? Welcome to the show. I appreciate you tuning in. Look forward to being on your show tomorrow. Uh, check him out by the way. i promote it on my podcast as well as through Instagram. Uh, sensibly Cynical Pod. Uh, another podcaster, fellow podcast member of the podcast community, Uh, definitely check his uh, content out. So this the article, like I said, uh, they were stating that on ESPN 100 in Chicago back on Tuesday or a couple weeks back, uh, Horace Grant responded to the stories and the involvement regarding uh, Horace Grant's portrayal in the show *The Last Dance*, and his response was, "It's a down. It is a downright, outright, uh, completely, downright, outright, completely lie that he leaked much of the information in Sam Smith's famous *The Jordan Rules* book, as Jordan alleged during the documentary. Lie, lie, lie. <laughs> if MJ had a grudge with me, let's settle this like men," Grant said during his interview. Let's talk about it, or we can settle it in another way. But yet and still, he goes out and puts this lie out that I was the source behind the book. Sam and I have always been great friends; we're still great friends. But the sanctity of the of that locker room, I would never put anything personal out there. Uh, Mama Sweet's World Pod, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, that 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 he had to have two sources to write a book I guess um why would MJ just point me out uh, and Sam, Sam Smith if you are or aren't aware was was a a uh, investigative reporter in in part I mean that was kind of his role even involved with the book itself uh Grant did help the help the bulls win three championships from 91 to 93 uh the closest relationships were decorated over the years because of critical I'm sorry deteriorated over the years because of critical comments made about him. Charles Barkley, they've been friends for over 20, 30 years, and he said something about Michael's management with the Charlotte Bobcats or the Charlotte Hornets, and, they, and then they haven't spoken since then. And my point is, he said that I was a snitch, but yet, and still, after 35 years, he brings up his rookie year going into one of his teammates' rooms and seeing coke and weed and women. My point is, why the hell did he want to bring that up? What, what that got to do with anything? I mean, if you want to call somebody a snitch, that's a damn snitch right there. And he's kind of right with that. Um, and every and and like, like Grant Hill, other teammates were not, well, like other former teammates, Grant was unhappy with the portrayal of various players and situations throughout the documentary. And they get more information about that. This is one of those stories that just comes up and it happens to hit at the time it does, and it's like, okay. It's content, but is it content type of scenario, type of story. Um, it's I'm not sure if it's talked about in the next article, but well, no, it's not. Jordan was a player or an athlete who was pushing others to get the best out of them. At least that's how I gathered it or how it was interpreted. If you really look at the documentary, even down to the Scott Burrell reference and all of those things, like that was his main objective. It's not about whether it worked, whether it was right or wrong. It was about Jordan wanted to win. That was just his bottom line. That was his MO. That was his main approach. That was his demeanor to the game of basketball is that he was going to do what it took to win. The next article that I'm sharing that I'm going to share kind of gives a, a great example of that. And before I share this story, another story that was presented or posted was about um, and this was talked about during the last dance where he played against someone. And I guess something was said pregame and it caused Jordan to score so many points. Like he scored like 40 or 50 points against this team. But the funny part was it was a made up story. It was something that actually didn't happen. So it was almost like Jordan had to psych himself into playing for the sake of making it a competitive conversation. And also you got to look at it too. Jordan didn't have Twitter. Jordan didn't have Facebook. Jordan, obviously, and I'm not I'm glad he didn't, because if he used it, I would have been confused. Jordan didn't have TikTok. So you didn't have like a, a platform or an out or a place to share or post thoughts or ideas that happened. It was just like we got in the show The Last Dance. Everything was recorded as actual video footage. Tying to one point of that was one of the games that was considered the flu game the 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 story told and what happened is still in like none of us were there to really see what Jack what actually happened, but it was made as you know he got food poisoning and it caused him to get sick. Um, they're saying that the, that the pizza was spit on. Uh, the actual Pizza Hut manager has responded and actually said that that was a bunch of crap. And it's not even whether I'm going to say that I, I'm with him or I'm against him on it. It's just it was a very interesting time of this of this whole thing coming to coming full circle like it did. Um, let's see more details emerging on the Michael Jordan flu game, and each story seems crazier than the next. On the night before Game 5 of the 1997 NBA Finals between the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls, the now infamous flu game, Jordan was in his hotel room in Park City, Utah, with trainer Tim Grover and personal assistant George Kohler. According to an account, according to an account in Episode 9 of The Last Dance, Jordan grew hungry by about 10.30 p.m. and told him to order a pizza. There was no room service in the hotel, so they call out. Jason Hay here, who is the director of The Last Dance, said on Monday on Jalen and Jacoby, when the pizza shows up, Michael says, everybody do not touch this pizza. This is mine. You didn't wait for me. For dinner, don't touch this. So he spits on the pizza. (laughs) Was the pizza spiked? I don't know. I do believe that nobody else ate that pizza. There are other accounts of Jordan spitting on food to prevent people from eating it, according to Jordan. To an ESPN story by Wright Thompson. Jordan once spit on someone's cinnamon roll, on some cinnamon rolls to make sure nobody took his food. In the last dance, Grover claimed that five guys ended up delivering the pizza. That's a coincidence. <laughs> now that I'm reading this even more funny, because it was like you're thinking of the business five guys. But anyway, five guys ended up delivering the pizza in 1997 and that Jordan was poisoned from it. Five guys delivering one pizza. They're all trying to look in. Grover said, I take the pizza. I pay them. I put this pizza down. I say, I've got a bad feeling about this pizza. Jordan went on to eat at least some of the pizza, Grover said, and proceeded to get very sick. 100% it was food poisoning. 100%. Grover said on Barstool Sports, pardon my take podcast, but obviously it just sounds better to be the flu game than the food poisoning game, which is actually very valid. Um, the food poisoning game would not have been, would not have gotten the same attention as the flu game. Nobody ate the pizza by him, nobody. And there were no signs of the flu, anything being sick before that. Then about three o'clock in the morning, I get a call in my room that just says, Hey man, come to MJ's room. And he's literally curled up in a fetal position. I've not known any flu that can hit you that fast, but I know how quickly food poisoning can hit you. That's my story. That's what I observed. I was in the room with all, all this was going on. So if anybody had a better look than I did, I'd like to see who that person was because they definitely weren't there. Um, but the former Pizza Hut assistant manager who made, and I'm probably not good to the rest of the story, but the Pizza Hut manager kind of came around and said it was only two people that delivered a pizza and the story that was given was far from what actually happened. And I think they were pushing to get a story to present it to be more than what it was and that's just kind of how how it turned from the the food poisoning game to the now infamous food food i'm sorry flu game we got a few more sports stories and i know it's like before I before I go into this next story I'm gonna get my closing piece on the last things because i did watch the last few episodes I need to go back because there was a part about Steve Kerr that I must have missed or wasn't paying attention to. But there was a, a good bonding between Steve Kerr and Jordan uh that we were were given we were privy to thanks to the last dance. And it was based on their core their connections to each other. Um Carlette, I'm not talking about that right now. So if you I'm sorry I'm not being and this it's not mid-show, but if that's what you're primarily coming for, then it may not even be on this episode or it may not be during this live. I'm doing my regular podcast. Um, so to, to go into the, the the ending and the closeout of the the last dance, it was mainly leading to the final series between Utah and Chicago. The NBA finals was was what it was. It went into their battle of, you know, Utah being home team, Utah should have home court advantage and be able to win the series. And somehow they gave the series away and, uh, Chicago was Chicago and Jordan went into, in Jordan, into Jordan mode. Um, it wasn't, like I said, it, it was, it turned out being a good series. It turned out being good for basketball. A lot of stories were presented that got a lot of attention in that time, but it wasn't what anyone expected it to be. Um, so that, that's mainly what that all entailed and how that all came to to what it was. Uh, I thought, like I said, I, I thought the, the last dance was a good story. I mean, it gave fans who really didn't see or grow up watching the Chicago Bulls play basketball get a better understanding of what the Bulls were about. Uh, so that's mainly what it was all about to begin with. Um. That's mainly all I have on, on that portion of the last dance. I have a story here about Premier League and they were saying that two more two more cases were confirmed by two players for Bournemouth that tested positive for COVID for COVID-19. I'm not gonna really say much on that, but I will say this. They uh they did it's it's coming. It's coming full circle, and I think no one's prepared for it, but they're trying to make sports become a thing again. They're trying to open up. They're trying to get basketball back going. They're trying to see how they can get football back in in the rotation because I think if there's no football season this com- upcoming year, it's going to be very hard for fans to really get into it, but I'll get get that drive back if it's like, oh, wait, okay, we're having a delayed season, or there may not be football at all. So they're so they're thinking about that. Uh, sorry uh, if you hear that. May you may not. Uh, so that that's my my hot, my take on my my thoughts on that. The Premier League will be kicking back off. It will be starting back up soon, and that's mainly where we are right now. Um, so they did they did confirm Premier League will pick back up. Serie a will pick back up. So now it's just a matter of waiting for those sports to actually get going and get that all started. So that's mainly what we have for Premier League Soccer, uh the COVID nineteen, the pandemic as a whole. Um so that's that's that. Uh the only other the the last sports story that I have right now is related to um A former uh, quarterback in the NFL, uh, Ryan Leaf was arrested on domestic uh, battery charges. Uh, Current ESPN college football analyst, uh, Ryan Leaf was arrested Friday for a a charge of misdemeanor domestic battery. Uh, He was arrested around 2 p.m. in Palm Desert, California, and booked into the Larry D. Smith Correctional Facility of the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. He was released Friday night on a $5,000 bail, according to the records. His next court date is September the 25th. Uh, he is 44 years old. He started at Washington State and finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting in 1997 when he led the Cougars to the Rose Bowl. He was the number two overall pick for the San Diego Chargers in 88, but he only had a four-year career before his personal life fell apart. He was. This is just an offline conversation. Well, let me, before I do that, um hopefully this turns out, you know. I won't say it turns out good for him. I mean, whatever, whatever is done is what's gonna be done. Um, I will say this. In his personal career and his own personal doings, there wasn't much football-wise we were gonna get from him. Uh, I don't think he was ready for that role at that time when it all occurred. Um, and that's kind of the night, that's kind of the cleanest and simplest way for me to put it. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to just I'm going to so I'm going to cut I'm going to cut Insta Live off and I'm going to briefly pause the podcast and do a little bit of cleaning up and then we're going to come back and get going again. All right. Sorry for that. We had a little brief disconnect. Just wanted to get everything cleared up offline so that way online is, is properly uh, in line with what I'm what I'm recording and where I'm going. Uh, so if you have been tuning in or you've been listening uh, if you're watching on IGTV, if you go back and listen to the watch the previous video, that's all your basketball, all your sports, all your all your things that have gone on on that side. This is going to be the stuff I'm going to talk about. A lot of things and stuff. There are so many things that have happened, and I want to try to get as many of these topics. Obviously, I'm going to talk about all of them. Uh, I don't want to rush through anything because I I feel like it's not fair to you all as listeners. And it's not fair to me as a podcaster to do that. Um, and I'm going to address this now before it gets before I get too into this show of where because if you look at the title, you kind of can see what what's what. Uh, welcome back, mate. Thanks for coming in. Um, I am going to address the story regarding or the everything going on with George Floyd. I'm going to talk about the writing. I'm going to talk about diluting. I'm going to get into all of that information. Because of where my platform is and how I address things, I also can't just come on and record and do what I know I'm capable of doing, but also still keep my brand upheld. So I'm going to go through the stories that I have for what I'm normally accustomed to doing on Saturday, but I'm also not going to just rush out and be enraged about something just to be enraged. And the reason I'm saying this at this point of the show is because I actually talked to someone about this earlier today, and it's a coincidental statement. And it's kind of mildly gives me the simplest way to say it. Everything is about being protective and being think, being thought, thought oriented in what you say or what you do. There's nothing wrong with Acting out there's nothing wrong with speaking out But on the flip side It's If you're Being aware of what to say And not just saying something just to be Media oriented or just sound good It's not going to benefit What's Worth hearing or what's what What is meant to be shared And I'm not going to rush something or give a thought Because we have to do something. We have to act on things. Acting on things is always helpful, but a lot of times it's moments to just, you want to kind of see what is going to happen as well as getting the right people together to do the right things. And it's not just a simple getting on a podcast or getting on Instagram live and that's going to solve everything. Um, and that's that's my, my cleanest message I can give on that portion. I'm going to talk about it more near the end but I at least wanna get through what I have now for what is going on in the tech world. I'm gonna see what I've found on music cause there were a couple of albums that came out, but getting to everything and listening to it was kind of tough cause all it has gone on. So I'll get there when we get there. Um, but first yeah. and foremost on tech, there is a tool that is going to educate you and help you with being aware of social distancing. Now, first and foremost, this is an app that is Chrome Chrome browser appropriate, but it's primarily for Android users. So iPhone users, relax, it's not the end of the world. Uh, the name of the app is called Sodar. It is a, if any of you are aware, there's a feature that both Apple and Android devices have called AR, which is augmented reality. That allows you to, if you were looking to buy certain items or have certain items be placed somewhere and you want to see how large, how that item would look in your home or in a certain space, it kind of simulates and mimics that, that item being there and how wide or how large it would be. Um, What this, what this app is going to do is from where you're standing, it makes you aware of around you, what your six foot radius would look like. Um, in most stores, it's been a standard. It's, what's becoming more of a standard where you're going to see spots on the floor. I call, from a gaming standpoint, I think of hot spots like you shooting a 10 point shot somewhere, but they make sure you're at those spaces so that people properly get enough space between themselves to properly follow social distancing. Um, it is. So, like I said, this this experiment is called S.O.D.A.R. Uh, It is introduced by the experiments with Google account on Twitter. It creates a six feet or two meter radius ring around you through your phone screen. The tool's purpose is to give you a way to visualize how far six feet is supposed to be to supposed to be and adjust to the new normal as lockdowns start to ease up. Oh, congratulations. May welcome to the Apple family we will definitely be training you for that soon. Uh, I know that's like a random segue mid-show, but if any of you understand, like, the droid to iPhone transition, you'll see why it's like when you welcome someone aboard, it's going to be like a whole new world. Um, Sodar isn't a standalone app and doesn't need to be installed to work. Uh, To use it, you simply have to visit the website. That said, it will only work using Chrome on Android devices and some Android devices may not be compatible. If you ever, if you've ever successfully viewed any of Google's AR projects uh, on your device, though, your phone is most likely capable of displaying SODAR's virtual social distancing indicator. This is a, I think this is a great tool. In my personal direct opinion, this is something they're trying with Android. If it works and they and they get enough backing for it from the Google slash Android perspective. I give it a month or two, it's going to be on iPhone devices as well, or iOS devices. Um, Sometimes you have to test something, work it, see how it comes out, give it a chance, and then afterward realize, okay, this could actually work on both platforms. And that's kind of how developers, the, the mind of a developer works, to say what I was saying. Our next story is about the Safety Advisory Council of Twitch. A lot of you may not even realize that this was a thing, but Twitch has created what is considered a safety advisory council. Um, one of the members of the group have already been uh, harassed based on this, and we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, Twitch unveiled its safety advisory council a couple of days ago. Uh, and this article was written back on May 19th, uh, but it, it left a few questions unanswered. What will the advisors do? Uh, specifically the live streaming services service now hopes to elaborate to company chief Emmett Shear has posted a clarification of just why the council exists the mix of creators and safety experts is meant to inform internal teams when they make communi- community safety decisions. the council won't make moderation calls have access to specific cases and won't represent the company. Shearer also explained just why Twitch chose the initial members it did. It wanted people with strong, independent opinions from a wide variety of people, including those beyond Twitch. A council spot is not a test of ideology or support for a particular point of view. The follow-up is partly in response to harassment level at one of the council's members. Newsweek reported that Steph, ferociously Steph Loire, faced harassment soon after she was named to the council including over transphobia, as well as attacks on her positions, such as her belief that voice chat and high-level gameplay exposed transgender people to harassment. Critics have claimed that Laura was attacking other cultural groups, but she has responded by asserting that people were attacking her merely for being different and pushing for acceptance. Sheer didn't have any intention of co to the cow kowtowing, that's a new one for me. Cowtowing to the critics. Harassment only underscores the importance of the council, he said. The executive may be eager to emphasize limitations on the council's power, but he also doesn't want bullying to influence who gets that power. So having this group will be a a very viable resource for Twitch because you do want to have people who are. Looking at the safety and well-being of people who are on Twitch, because even those who game or those who comment, it's one of those tough positions where now cyberbullying is a thing. Uh, and a lot of times I know it's the simplest option of, well, they can just stop using the program. But a lot of times if that program has been their outlet for X number of years or X number of months, you it's not just that simple. Uh, and. Anything involving sexuality, I, we just need to be, you know, as hard as it is to do, we should be able to look at each other as equals. And I know I'm only one person looking at it as such, but, you know, the world we're in, people's mindsets are only as wide as they allow it to be. Um, My, uh, my twin shared this story with me, so I'm going to, Go ahead and talk about this uh, article briefly. Uh, scam spyware vendor gets caught. Uh, security researchers exposes a new Android malware link to Manish Kumar, the infamous owner of government spyware vendor Wolf Intelligence. Cops and spies all over the world are in the market for expensive tools that let them hack into phones and track down criminals. You'd think that none of them would want to purchase them from a guy described by competitors, former business partners, and researchers as a criminal of the worst kind and walking scam with shitty products. This infamous broker of spyware is selling... Of course, something would pop up in mid-record. All right. And get described by competitors, former business partners, and researchers as a criminal of the worst kind and walking scam with shitty products. The infamous broker of spyware is still selling his wares and he's getting caught once again, according to a new report by security from Cisco Talos. This report written by, written by Cisco Talos researchers Warren Mercer, Paul Rascaniereis, and Vitor Ventura, calls for calls the company run by Manish Kumar, an infamous organization with a surprising level of amateur actions and copy and paste products. Kumar's Android malware, which the researchers dub Wolfrat, is, is based on Dendroid, a malicious uh, software that was discovered in 2014, according to the report. Dendroid's code was leaked online in 2015, effectively making it open source. The servers the malware connect to have been publicly linked to Kumar's company for more than a year after researchers from another security company published a report. About Wolf's intelligence, Kumar's company that sold surveillance and hacking tools to police, intelligence, and intelligence agencies. Uh, moreover, Wolfrat's interface, the one, that, the one that the hacking operators would use, looks exactly the same as the interface of Kumar's previous products, according to the report as well as an independent source who has direct knowledge of Kumar's offerings. The source asked to remain anonymous to discuss sensitive issues. And they go going to get more information uh, regarding this this malware and the spyware. So this is definitely an, an article or story that is not to be taken lightly. And we're hoping that um, this is one that I definitely may be keeping a close eye on, especially uh, knowing how the role that I'm possibly looking to get into with cybersecurity. And, you know, in the case of spam and just, you know, any information that shouldn't be out there. You know, you want to try and get this all resolved and taken care of. Looking at other uh, possible suings, uh, Spotify is going to be suing self-described music prodigy who allegedly ran royalty ran a royalty scam. Then uh, this is by Jake Notch. Uh, it generated hundreds of millions of fraudulent streams and engaged in title track parrot. Parasitism, among other fraud- fraudulent practices on this platform. Last November, the 20-year-old head of indie hip-hop label Sosa Entertainment filed a massive and massively complicated lawsuit against Spotify, alleging that the digital music service hadn't paid royalties on more than 550 million streams of its songs. And this is also um, a story given shared with, by my, um, by my twin. Uh, if you haven't listened, uh, she's on usually on Twitter talk with me, Fred. So definitely check her out. Uh, According to Billboard, Sosa Entertainment founder Jake Notch also named his company, his other company, Pro Music Rights, as a plaintiff in the lawsuit. And the co plaintiff sought millions of dollars in damages, asking for $150,000 for each infringement. Notch's lawsuit accused Spotify of a number of transgressions, including unfair and deceptive business practices willfully move removing Sosa's entertainment content, obliterating his expectations and refusing to pay royalties. In a statement, Notch said that he was willing to fight to the end. And it meant that Spotify would ultimately compensate the artists who were affected. I have a duty to see this through so that I can pay my artists what they are owed from Spotify. The cost of streams. And I'm, this has been talked about on different platforms, and this will probably be covered in music session. Because there's a lot more, um, but, you know, this, these articles out. As I always state, are always in the show notes. Uh, that's a good question. So um, May, who's in my who's in who's in my IG tag says chat said, "How valid do you how valid do you find his claims?" It depends on the information you have to back if your streams were indeed. Not giving their proper credit to you getting that play. I know that's kind of a circle answer to it. If I had to take a a, a blind guess on how valid, it's not a high validation, but it, if they have the information to back it, then it might have a good case. It's all in what it's all in with your lawyers, and you know if you got folks who are doing like that, as they call it, R and D or research and development, then that's when it becomes more uh, iffy and becomes more questionable. This is going to be one that I again, I right along with the scams with the uh, with the the scam story. I want to keep an eye on this too and hopefully, you know, see what comes from this cuz these are stories that we don't hear about often, let alone um does it seem does it kind of seem like his word versus Spotify? Good question. I I don't want to just outright say it is because I don't know what information his word entails. You know, if you have enough content or enough proof that is showing that your content is being pulled and you're losing money. Then it becomes a little different and it then turns into that. Okay, now I can see where your claims could be valid. So it's the validity of it and, I mean, fighting a company such as Spotify, which we're going to get into in a moment, uh, that can pay Joe Rogan $100 million. I mean, if you got that kind of time and that kind of effort to fight it, go ahead. But it also, Spotify could easily just do a a quick buyout and say, we'll give you this much money. It'll cover for the royalties that you would have got and call it a day. Now, whether they're going to actually go that route or not, I believe when I see it. Um, going to the the iOS world. Uh, let me make sure because I think it's another story I have to, and I want to be sure I don't give too many things ahead. Uh, if any of you are Apple users and you own any tablets or phones that can get the latest update. There wasn't there was a iOS update, I believe, thirteen point five that was released. Uh, it's based on I think it's affiliated with the mask if as far as when you're putting the phone to your face and it's expecting you to do face recognition, obviously you pulling your face mask down to get that is gonna take a while. So it kinda added like a little extra time in between to not have you have that little slight delay in doing so. Um But this story is actually talking about iOS 14, which is not out yet. Uh, They have talked. They are mentioning that this iOS has been leaked from a development iPhone. Um, It apparently comes down to someone willing to spend a tidy sum of money. Uh, Motherboard sources say that the iOS 14 leak originated from someone being buying a developer only iPhone 11 in China for thousands of dollars. Uh, The software version dated back to December. But some extracted it and and has distribu- distributed it to researchers and hackers since at least February. Apple has declined to comment. It's difficult to say how much the leak will affect or reflect the finished iOS 14 release. Apple isn't expected to pre- preview the iOS until the WWDC, which is usually Apple's big keynote, and it's entirely possible for the company. It's entirely possible the company has cut or changed features in the past several months. It could likewise be difficult to assess security flaws when they might be fixed by launch. Still, this is unusually early access to software. This could help with security assessments, but it could also spoil the debut and give hackers more time to find exploits. The loose code also underscores the challenges Apple has been clamping down on leaks. Like with many companies is product development depends on a large chain of suppliers and other partners. It only takes one less than scrupulous person to reveal secrets. While Apple can take steps to minimize the chances of leaks, it may be difficult to completely avoid breaches like this in the future. And in their defense, it's, it's really not that hard because if someone wants it, it I mean, it's an, op- it's an open source based world in a sense But if someone really wants to get information and get it, it's just a matter of how much, how far or how willing you are to go that extra mile to get whatever information it is you need. Um, If you don't desperately need the newest update, then just wait it out. It'll by September, if not sooner, you'll get the update. Or if you, you know, turn your phone into developer phone, you can kind of test out the beta and see what it's all about. Um, there were, and I actually noticed this, there were a couple of iOS apps that were getting delayed on patches and updates. And I'm not sure what has been causing this, the newer version. And before we go, before I go too far into this, there was a revision in the Apple store and that, that revision in the Apple store is beginning to be seen a lot clearer now because When you look at the actual, if you look at the actual format of how apps are updated, it's no longer, okay, go to the app store, go to updates, and then you'll see what devices, I mean, what apps need to be updated. Most of the time, it could be you just trying to open an app and the app is starting to do an update. Um, They're stating if you are finding that dozens of apps need unexpected updates. Don't worry, you're not alone. Apple appears to be reissuing recently, app, recently published app updates, resulting in users having to reinstall the latest version of some apps. Among the Verge team, the number of expe- unexpected updates range from less than 20 to nearly 100, with updates dating back to the beginning of the month, resurfacing from the depths of the app store. Your experience will vary, of course, depending on how many apps you have and how frequently you use them. (laughs) All right, man, I'll see you in a bit. She may have already left. Uh, Exactly why these updates are being reissued isn't isn't clear, but as Mac Rumors notes, it might have something to do with a bug that seems to be affecting apps as of 13.5. The bug bug, which is an odd way to put it, meant some apps became inaccessible with an error message informer using this, informing users this app is no longer shared with you. The quick fix to get the app working again without losing its settings and data is to offload the app via settings, general iPhone storage, and then reinstall it. We don't know what's causing this particular no longer share with you error either, but the word suggests some sort of authentication or certification issue. Before we go further, let me see if this article will come up. I just saw an, a notice because if you are looking at the um, the Instagram Live, I actually have a pair of these headphones now. Uh, the Sony 1000XM3 headphones are being deeply discounted at back market. Uh, these are the refurbished units. They are having them uh, at the price of $200, which is practically $150 off. And the truly wireless options are just 110, which is $80 off. What's important to note is that both include a one-year warranty. And they kind of give you a little bit of information about that. So I'm just sharing that as a added piece of information. All right. So, yeah, my, I'm probably going to do just one podcast on the topic that I want to talk about separate from this. But um, Joe Rogan helped create a podcast culture on uh, YouTube and now he's leaving. He secured the bag. Joe Rogan is is moving on from YouTube. Uh, it earned him nearly 10 million subscribers in the process. It's the latest sign that creators who found success on YouTube see other platforms as the next step. But it doesn't mean that YouTube is anywhere close to being cut off of the podcast game. Later this year, Rogan will bring his mega-popular podcast The Joe Rogan Experience exclusively to Spotify. It's not just Rogan who's leaving YouTube behind. At a time when video podcasts on YouTube are more popular than ever, some of the platform's biggest personalities have been taking their content to other services. YouTube star Emma Chamberlain launched her podcast off-platform. Tyler Oakley and Corey Cole moved their show psycho babble away from YouTube and like Rogan, Daniel Keem and Ricky Banks just signed a deal to bring their YouTube show mom's basement to Spotify. These these creators' successes, these creators success though, often came from optimizing around YouTube as a platform in the first place. The Joe Rogan Experienced YouTube channel has just under eight eight and a half billion million subscribers. With videos collectively pulling in more than 2 billion views since it launched in 2013 and they gave a little bit more information uh, about this acquisition and the announcement uh, and they didn't talk about the podcast world how it's changing thanks to what Joe Rogan has decided to do which if you want to keep an eye on the trend this is like your best way to do it so and I mean, and they, as as this article states, it literally is Spotify versus everyone else. Um, and this is solely based on his his money. <laughs> and I'm reading this article because someone put a message that specifically states, "Excuse my French." Before I say this, "Fuck Spotify and fuck any podcast that's only playable in one app." I think he's misinterpreting what is being said. When people say that a podcast is exclusive to Spotify, that means if you have a Spotify account, you'll get it first. But if you listen to if you have other podcasting platforms, you can actually listen to the podcast on other platforms. It's just going to come to that said platform first. So for instance, with Joe Budden, his podcasts are on all of your major platform podcast platforms, such as the Apple Podcasts. Uh, Google Podcast, Stitcher, all of the other ones that I promote. uh, If he has it on there, he may be still on Spreaker. I wouldn't be surprised. But I say all of that to say it's not that you're limited where you only can hear it on one platform. It's other platforms that are out there. Even Overcast, you can listen to it on there. Um, but that's that's kind of a paraphrase of that story. Um, next up. And I found this story to be interesting because they are getting ready to make a bit of a facelift or a big change with the newer Texas instrument uh, calculators. You won't be able to run programs on it. If any of you remember those days of the TI-83s and the 83 pluses. Yes, that is not a word, but for the sake of potting, 83 plus. You had the ability to put different games on it or program different games into it. One of one of the more known ones that everyone did was Tetris. I, obviously, as a Tetris head, I I noticed that I never did it because I didn't. I don't think I owned a eighty. I think I had an eighty three plus, but I didn't have an eighty three. Um, Texas Instruments graphing calculators have a reputation as hobbyist devices, given their program support, but they just lost some of their appeal. Simtec has learned. That Texas Instruments is pulling support for assembly and C-based programs on the TI-84 Plus CE and its French counterpart, the TI-83 Premium CE. Install the latest firmware for both, and you'll only you not only lose one access, you'll you not only lose access to those apps, but won't have an, a way to roll back. The company explained the move as an effort to prioritize learning and minimize any security risks is to reduce cheating, to put put it another way. In a chat with Semitech EdTech president, Peter Belida hoped that the community would shift its focus to advancing Python development and suggest ideas that would satisfy the needs of schools, students, and developers. While this could please teachers worried that students will use apps to cheat during exams, Enthusiasts are unsurprisingly mad. This reduces the amount of control programmers have over their calculator apps. As it stands, this might not have the intended effect. Some have already found ways to bypass the calculator's exam mode. The updates may block casual cheaters, but not determined ones. If people are going to do what they're going to do, they're going to do it. And that's just what it is. And there's a couple more sentences following that. Our last stuff story is an odd one, but an interesting one. <laughs> because it, it had a potential to be asked of the week, but for sake of conversation, and I still don't before before I start to read this article, I'm going to warn you in advance. I do not know the specific termage or name that it's actually supposed to be, but I'm going to read it. Based on how it's written in the article. Uh, Elon Musk and Grimes have changed their their baby's name. A bit. (laughs) The baby. Let me make sure I get this right. Just when you thought you learned how to spell. Grimes and Elon Musk's unusual baby name. They've gone ahead and changed it. Early this month. Tesla and SpaceX CEO Musk announced the birth of their of the baby boy in a post, revealing the son was called. Get ready for it. X, A E, but it wasn't. It's not an actual A and an E. It's like the A and the E are combined. A hyphen twelve Musk. However, speculation arose that the unusual moniker might fail foul of the law in California where the couple live as names can only use the 26 alphabetical characters of the English language, according to the state constitution. The former name, the baby formerly known. And let's see. They're probably going to give me a different. On Sunday, Grimes posted a new photo on Instagram, drawing comments from fans. Did you change the baby name because of California laws? What is the baby's new name? And Xaeaxii wrote the singer in response without confirming the reason for the change. The singer also responded to another comment saying, "Roman numerals, Roman numerals looks better, to be honest." So they they had to remove the numerical option and actually put XII for the reference of twelve. You probably already got that. Uh, Grimes previously broke down the meaning of the name. I'm gonna read this part and then we're gonna go into some fun stuff. Well, some fun but some some reality. Um, Grimes previously broke down the meaning of the name for intrigued fans. The Canadian musician, real name Claire Elise Boucher, explained X stands for the unknown variable. Meanwhile, AE is the eleven, I'm sorry, the elven spelling of AI, which is shorthand for artificial intelligence and the word for love in several languages, including Japanese. A-12 equals precursor to SR-17, which is their favorite aircraft. No weapons, no defenses, just speed. Great in battle, but non-violent, she added. The A in the name also represents Archangel, which she described as her favorite song. Fans were also intrigued as to how to pronounce the name, and the happy couple seemed to have different interpretations. This is where I got mixed up because I was struggling just now. And what I said It's just X like the letter X, then a, I like how you s- said the later, the letter A, then I Grimes wrote in response to the query on Instagram. However, Musk told podcast host Joe Rogan, a different pronunciation of the name. I mean, it's just X, the letter X, and then the A, E is like. Pronounce Ash, okay, and then A twelve, A twelve is my contribution. See that has got so I'm gonna, so I'm gonna go about what uh, Graham said. XAI A twelve is the couple's first child together. Must cast five under other children: twins Griffith, twins Griffin and Xavier, and triplets. Damien Saxon and Kai from a previous marriage. And that's mainly all we have on that topic. Um, I'm going to go ahead as far as, like I said, for music, there really wasn't a lot. Uh, There were a lot of albums that came out, but I have, I'm going to be 100% honest. I didn't do a lot of music session this weekend uh, for different reasons. And I'm going to do our ass of the Week and our Pass of the Week. And I'm going to close this portion of the podcast and then I'm going to reopen for the other piece uh, that I want to talk about because I think it'll be helpful because I don't want to put them in the same category. And depending on how this goes, I may jumble it all together because you know how I do. Um, ass of the Week is Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper tried to go for the damsel in distress role by while still holding her holding a, holding her dog in like this very odd manner during this um interaction that she's having on the phone. Amy Cooper went viral this week and not for a good reason. In a widely shared vi- video, she alters the pitch of her voice to sound in distress and fabricates danger. While calling the police, claiming an African American man was threatening her life. And in reality, the man in question, excuse me, bird watcher Christian Cooper, said, I'm sorry, no relation, had simply requested she put her dog on a leash as requested by Central Park regulations and can be seen backing away to keep his distance from her. The incident fits into a common theme of online shaming videos against racist white women calling the police on black people for minor reasons. The shaming has forced Amy Cooper to return her dog to the agency she adopted him from and she's been fired by her employer. But while the video's unique facts have inflamed social media, Cooper's behavior has a long historical legacy. The video doesn't just show an entitled white woman invoking threat and invoking the police in an incident that could very well have escalated and resulted in violence, perhaps deadly, against Christian Cooper. It also depicts Amy Cooper wrapping herself in the persona of the damsel in distress, a figure that offers protection only to white women. It is also a a guise, a guise, I'm probably mispronouncing that, that for centuries has been used as an excuse to enact racist violence on Black people in the name of white women's safety. Though built on white privilege, the protection offered to white women against other groups actually serves anti-feminist goals of infantilizing women and using their safety as justification to enact bigoted violence. In cases where women's safety cannot be easily weaponized against a Black immigrant or trans person, the figure of the damsel in distress has evoked little soci- societal r- response, even if a woman is in genuine danger. It's almost like chicken little skies falling. And I know that's like an odd comparison, but just just slow walk with me on this one. You know no one's harming you, but if you make it seem like you're being harmed, it gives more attention, it draws more. It draws a higher conversation. What makes it look so bad in the video is that you can see the guy backing up further and further to make it clear. I'm here to have no interaction with you. I, this is not that kind of party. And for her, it was just in one ear, not the other. And her getting on the phone and making it become more dramatic than what it was didn't make it play out in her in her favor at all. All she had to do was just put the dog on the leash. Not putting the dog on the leash just led you into being the ass of the week for this one, like full blown, no shame, no denial. Um, our pass of the week, one of our passes of the week is Eddie Sutton. Uh, he was the former coach for Oklahoma State and Kentucky. Uh, he died of natural causes. Uh, he did die at his home in South Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Sutton was informed that he'd be a member of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame 2020 class. Uh, the, st- the Sutton family did state that it was an honor and a tribute to the great players he coached and outstanding assistant coaches that worked for him. Uh, he's going to be inducted in August along with uh, Kobe as pos- posthumously. Uh, he coached basketball for 50 years at six different colleges and one. High school, but he's best known for a successful run at his alma mater, Oklahoma State, and a controversial tenure at Kentucky. Maybe I forgot that tenure. Um, and that's all I am gonna. That's all I really have for um, Eddie Sutton. So, you know, condolences to his family, uh, those who you know were close to him directly, and I know it's a, a very uh, heavy story. Welcome back, me. You're coming back, like, at the perfect point. This episode is not going to have, well, it's going to have a message that's going to be passed. But the message that I'm going to pass is related to the the incident that is, I won't even say the elephant in the room. The last or the latest update is that one of the police officers has been charged for uh, the the actual police officer who was there on who was seen, you know, holding uh, George Floyd down and causing him to die. The charge that was given was trash. We can just call it a spade. As I mentioned. In the transition between uh, Sports and technology On InstaLive I'm going to talk about this And it's not me Talking with the worry or concern Of not crossing the line Because there's not going to be a good line Or a a light line to, to Touch with this one I have Been a black man On this earth. 37 years. I have experienced profiling. At least half of those. Half of that time period. No race trumps another race. In what profiling or experience they've had with this. Police brutality should not be taken lightly. I'm going to say that. As openly as possible this is probably going to be one of the few times I let a layer down on my podcast that I normally wouldn't let down, but I'm going to talk about this because it's something that I think people really have to look at and understanding um, here in here in Richmond here. Um, a friend of mine is in Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening in California. They are, they did show videos in Minnesota of various places, riding, and all of those things. I've had what I had happened to me as far as going to jail and having a record and that in, in no way, shape or form being able to get that record cleaned or cleared if I wanted to. Thankfully, it's not a felony. But even still, it was initially a felony that was reduced to a misdemeanor. I give that information and I share that leading into this story because the reaction that can help get this resolved is the one thing we don't do well as Black people. And that has come together. Everyone has been and i've read a lot of posts and i've seen a lot of thoughts on you know we brought mlk into this we brought malcolm x into this they did what they were aware of doing at their time and in their generation and our generation coming together would be the the one of if not many solutions it's a challenging thing to do now because we're in a we're in a pandemic but we still have abilities or ways to come together one of those ways is through different social platforms such as Zoom Skype other audio options no one deserves to die at the hands of a police officer under any circumstances Even worse, no black man should be that heavy of a threat to any officer, black or white, or any other race, to cause their life to be that much in harm with no weapon, with no conflict, to do a lot of what has been done. I brought this up on my on the podcast a couple of months, probably a couple of years back. I'm standing behind saying it now. We missed and now we're seeing what Kaepernick's message was to portray and why he took a knee and why police brutality was a big deal to him. The NFL didn't give two shits about it. And I'm not this. And I know that message will probably get me. This might be the last show as a statement. But. The NFL was not hearing that. And the reason I say it in that capacity with him was because as I brought up time and time again on this podcast. No one is bigger than the shield. And of all things, no black Male athlete is going to be bigger than the shield. And he was becoming bigger than the shield because he was getting a message out that people needed to hear. Where we are now as a society, getting us to come together is more than just going out and rioting or, you know, burning places and breaking windows that's not going to bring anyone back that we've lost due to this. I've, I personally have kept and I won't even say masked my emotion. I've been very mild in my thought process with all of this only because it's not even on the basis of just saying the right things. It's knowing that Words are not going to be the solution. It's actions. Hey, cuz, what's going on? Welcome to the to the uh, Instagram live. You're coming in at like a, as I've told May, Um, you're coming in at a pretty heavy point. Uh, so I'll try to, you. and if you have words or thoughts on this, you're welcome to say so. We have to realize and value ourselves personally. I'm not saying... What we expect the world to do is not in our control, but we as ourselves, as people individually have to make ourselves feel equal in what we're doing. The world is going to treat us how the world is going to treat us, and I don't like it whatsoever. But we have to do our part in trying to put ourselves in the position of where most white people are. And we have to do so in the right manner. I I shared this message um, before. And I'm sharing it now. I have been on the fence of whether I wanted to even say anything regarding this entire situation. Not in the sense of, oh, I want to be quiet and I don't want my opinion to matter. It's. Saying anything is not what we where we are. It's about what are we going to do? Personally, with the platform, with the podcasting, with branding, I've, I have one idea and I've talked to someone about this. I'm going to share it with others offline, but I'm not going to put it here on this recording. But we need to make action and we need to make others aware of how important Is in in motion Not in words I've heard this too About Government not being a factor You say what you want Government If you want to say government and not being a factor I'll let you have it But if you feel like they're not being a factor In the role that they're doing Then you go in office and let's see what you can do And I'm not saying in office isn't being president I'm saying in office as in local elections. I'm saying in office as in local city council events. I'm saying local as in getting people to come together and actually be transparent instead of trying to get around the issues at hand. I normally... And he may not want this to be shared, but I'm not going to put too much biz out there. But I usually do a a walk with a friend of mine. And he's practically been like the anonymous brother to me. And we've we've walked and he brought up something that I could fully relate to. And it's the toughest thing to look at when you as a black man drive or go anywhere in around town, mask or no mask, all this stuff doesn't even play into it. If a police car is behind you and their lights happen to come on, the first thing that always is thought of and is the biggest fear, even before, or these police brutalities got as out of control as they'd have recently, is this might be my, this might be today. And you could do everything by the book as we've seen happen multiple times. And that, that becomes very scary. So, I don't know... Like I, And I probably said this 10 times. I'm not going to repeat myself too heavily. I don't know. What to do. Or how to do it. But the message that I'm going to pass along. Is. If there are resources. Or there are options. Of actual people. That need to be contacted. Or. Yes. May you're exactly right. It is one of, one of the greatest fears. And. Because it has happened. it Like I had a recent incident of being pulled over and realizing I was not in, I didn't feel it was anything in the wrong, but it was the oddest of scenarios because of all the places and thinking of where it happened, it happened near where rioting happened here last night. And I, if you're in this area, um, right, that's That's the perfect way to put it. Uh, She said, like, are you going to get a good cop or a bad cop? And it's really like flipping a coin and just doing a spin move in the middle of the coin flip. All I know is. If there's anyone who listens to this show. If you get the link. If you want me to put the minute marker where we start to get into this heavy topic, I can. I don't mind. Probably I'm going to. But I really want to figure out what actions, not words, what actions are going to help get this to be resolved. I've thought about this off and on and I know I'm like a little in and out of my space about this but I really think this type of a topic is a bigger story of stuff than what I've been sharing this stuff. Like a lot of the stuff that I've shared, or a lot of the sports I've shared has just been things that I've talked about. And I know my friend was, you know, Carla will probably go back and see this video. We'll listen to the podcast. I wanted to get into this off the beginning, but I also know I, have, I still have content that I'm sharing for the sake of a podcast. But this is the story and this is the meat of the potatoes of what this podcast is about. Is finding that next step or finding a way to make this work. And. A lot of times and in most instances, I just send silence or. It's it's me more so. Processing than acting. Because doing anything that can put my life, let alone someone else's life in in harm's way, it, it's just not worth the sacrifice. That's my opinion, obviously. Um, So I'm, I'm putting a challenge out to anyone who's listening to the podcast. If you have resources or you have information or you feel like there's a good way to get this word out, in action form or get us to get this ball rolling. If it comes down to making groups, if it comes down to me getting on hand, doing a quick podcast and say, Hey, y'all check out this event going on this day. It's going to be a virtual. I don't mind doing it, but it also, it doesn't, it's me being the driver on this one. Isn't even an, isn't an, isn't even an issue or a concern. It's the consideration of realizing that if I'm put in that position to do so. I got to have folks that's on board. And that's that's the the cleanest and the simplest way I can put what I'm sharing or what I'm talking about today. So I hope everyone who is listening to the show got something. Even if it was something random or something that you you may have already known Press it forward, um, like, comment, and subscribe. I know I'm doing it late in show, but I, I definitely want people to become more aware. And these these podcasts, the past the message is going to become a little bit more intense for the next, especially for June for June. Um. <laughs> I'm not. I showed it. I I just shared something on IGTV and that's it. Um, And we'll leave it at that. But. I hope everyone, you know, is. Prepared because. These battles are going to lead to bigger wars. And most of all, like, it's not even just about us leaving Today and tomorrow is the end of May. Whatever you did or didn't do, it was what it was. Time to assess and it's time to press forward. You got to make June be a, be your a month. Every month should be a month. Um, as I've had people see or talk about, work on whatever your goals are, do your assessments, and as I'm about to close out, drink your water. And that's how we're going to end this show until next time. This is the past. I'm your host BT. Hope everyone has a safe and positive routine and rest of your day. Really appreciate all the support, all the listens, all the likes, all the effort that goes into anyone who has provided any form of content for the past. We're signing out now, but you definitely don't want to miss what's in store for the upcoming episode. If you are interested in getting more information or becoming a podcaster, you can check out Budsprout.com. And the microphone that you are hearing me use is the Blue Yeti X. I had been using a Yeti for a while I went back to the Samsung Meteor, but now I'm using the Blue Yeti X, which is everything. Trust me. Uh, all social medias: the Pass BT. That's T H E Pass, as in past ball. BT is my initials. And finally, if you are a creator and you want to support a fellow creator, subscribe, like, and comment on the Pass. Until next time, this is your host BT. Signing out.